Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Furtick. Thanks for tuning in yet again for the Stunt Show, hosted each week by a rotating cast of characters, and I, I do mean characters, uh, including... Uh, including myself. My name is Mayor Fertig. I'm the uh, Chief Communications Officer of the Orthodox Union. That's my day job. And uh, it's my pleasure to be here with you on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, my guests today will include Michael Orbach, who's one of uh, one of the freelance writers of my acquaintance, who's written a funny story that's uh, available on the OU website that uh, may turn out to be prescient. And that looks at the subject of snow and Pesach. You know, Pesach is very early this year. Uh, next Monday night it begins, of course. And well, if you're listening to this on Sunday, it begins tomorrow night. But uh, you get the idea. And uh, the, the possibility, of course, is that with the uh, Yontif coming this early in the uh, in the season, uh, there could be snow. Wouldn't be the first time. And in some locales where you're listening right now, you're saying snow. We always have snow for Pesach, but not necessarily in the New York area, which is uh, where we began our inquiry. Uh, so Michael Orbach will be joining us later in the show, as well as a young man named Ellie Leibowitz, who I recently met, who spends his off time on stage. He's a comedian. He's a stand-up comic, and he's a funny guy, although he doesn't like that pressure, of course. You know, it just makes him nervous. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't really make him nervous. But he's a stand-up comic, and he'll be joining us later in the show as well. But first, uh, let's meet Chaya Fishman. She is the executive director of... The JWE, Empowering Jewish Women Entrepreneurs. Chaya, welcome to the show. Hi, Mayor. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for coming on. I, I appreciate it. Uh, you are running a very interesting organization that you founded. Uh, the tagline, as I said, is Empowering Jewish Women Entrepreneurs. And coming up in May, you have a really interesting conference and event plan. Could you tell me uh, what it's called and tell me a little bit about it? Sure. So the organization, the JWE, which stands for the Jewish Woman Entrepreneur, um, is a nonprofit that focuses on supporting Jewish women professionals and business owners in launching and growing mm-hmm. successful businesses and careers. And we support them through offering access to business education, a comprehensive mentoring program, and uh, these small-scale and large-scale events, such as the upcoming conference, um, as you mentioned, May 5th. And this conference is really the first of its kind. Uh, it's the first national conference for from women entrepreneurs and professionals. And we have women coming in from across America, from places as close to uh, here as down the block, uh, Manhattan. And we have women coming in from Pennsylvania, from um, even you know Canada, uh, from Cleveland, from Baltimore, from really? New Jersey. The conference itself takes place in New Jersey. And that's in New Brunswick? New, New Brunswick, New correct. Brunswick so on May On May 5th, May 5th. at uh, the Hyatt Regency in Very New Brunswick. Very interesting. And we'll give that information again later later in our conversation. Chaya, tell me, why is this important? So there's many organizations out there that offer support to entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. but there's nothing that offers comprehensive support to observant women. And why that's important is because the kinds of challenges that observant women face um, in the workplace um, have a lot to do with their religious and cultural sensitivities and the kinds of mentors and the kinds of uh, people they need to help them succeed um, has a lot to do with their observance. So, for example, um, this conference, uh, we have an incredible lineup of mm-hmm. speakers that um, will be offering classes across the spectrum and everything from what sort of legal entity should I choose to raising capital to social media marketing. Uh, and we also have this mentoring component where you can meet one-on-one with a successful, observant woman entrepreneur who has dealt with many of the same challenges that you are dealing with. So it could be anything from how do I set up a factory in 
manufacturing uh, plant in India huh. to um, how do I find uh, a mikvah in some very remote location? Right. So this is really hands-on and practical. Correct. And is it? it's not just for beginners. It is just for beginners. Tell me about that. So there's two separate tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have every slot, uh, time slot, at the conference has four parallel classes, um, and they cater to both future entrepreneurs, people, we call them our startup candidates, either thinking about starting a business or right. at the beginning stages of business, as well as women that are already running businesses. Some of them are even very successful businesses, but they're looking either to network um, and also to grow and take their business to the next level. So we're providing classes you know, to both kinds of women. And there are women coming that they would identify themselves as professionals, not necessarily even business owners. And they want to take a class such as Sasha Salama's on speaking effectively and your net, you know, your elevator pitch. So we really created a program that caters to everyone from the startup entrepreneur to the you know, really sophisticated entrepreneur to the professional that's looking to expand her network. Is entrepreneurship for everybody? I think that as Jewish woman, uh, you know, I think that part of what Bina is about is it's kind of this creative process of being able to think about things and connect a lot of pieces in unique ways. And any woman that's running a household is in some level a CEO and an entrepreneur, um, you know, just figuring out how to navigate Yontif and how to, um, you know, I'm still figuring that out. I'm, I'm also a student. Um, at law, in law school, so you know all these pieces. So I think, but is entrepreneurship as a profession for everybody? No, uh, and a lot of people fall into it because they don't have an alternative, or given their circumstances, it's the best route. And what we try to do is help them either giving give them the tools to become that successful entrepreneur, or help them discover that perhaps the idea they had in mind they're not cut out for, or they need right. to do a little bit of learning before they, you know, keep keep moving forward in their with their current business model, etc. Well of course failure is not is not the end of anything. No. Failure is a very good experience generally. Failure is a beautiful experience. Um, but but sometimes someone needs some hand holding and sometimes they need someone to say, hey this this business model is lousy. You gotta think of something, you know, um, a little bit better or you know you didn't really do all the all the best market research. Um, but we don't look to return women away. We look to really build them up and sure. help them find, well how can you be successful? And you know if it's not in you know if it's not with your what you've currently kind of envisioned, how can we help you create a stronger, better you know vision that, that can work. Our guest is Chaya Fishman, the uh, executive director of the JWE, Empowering Jewish Women Entrepreneurs. You're listening to The Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Furtick. Thank you so much for tuning in. Chaya, you just as an aside mentioned that you're in law school. Right. You're the executive director of an organization. <laughs> you're in law school. You're, I, I understand, a wife and a mother. Right. Tell us a little bit about your background and how on earth do you find time to be in law school and run an organization? So... Um, that's an, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> so in terms of finding time, I try to uh, ruthlessly prioritize. And ruthlessly prioritize. Yes. Um, good phrase. There's a certain, um, you know, every morning, it, 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 my husband will laugh that I'm sharing this, but our my office as well as our bedroom has whiteboards everywhere. And every morning as well as every night, I'm creating list after list of what needs to be done. Um, and it could be... Big, big, big picture vision like launch business incubator program for from woman, or it could be something like you know make sure to drop off that meal for that woman who just had a baby. Um, and I really, how I find time is I, I'm incredibly careful with my time. I try to outsource whatever I can, um, the things that are not meaningful that I don't need to be hands on for. I try to to outsource. Uh, I don't sleep very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my son wakes up at 5 a.m. 
and you know that sort of uh, helps me because I you know I that's when I'm forced to start my day and I wear him in a baby carrier and we right. do dishes and start dinner so <laughs> that <laughs> so you're very you said ruthlessly prioritized Correct. was that the, that was the phrase that you used yes um, what's your background in in the world of entrepreneurialism how did you gravitate toward this and how did how did it occur to you that this was something that was worthwhile and worth your time so when I was uh, 16 I started Appel Adventures it was formerly it was first known as Camp Shoshanim in Cleveland mm-hmm. Ohio and what started as there was this age group that were they were too old for backyard camps but they weren't going to sleepaway camps because either they couldn't afford to go or that wasn't uh, something that they were interested in doing mm-hmm. uh, but they needed something that was a lot more stimulating so I launched this creative arts program it was a camp that had everything from drama workshops to um, sewing uh, to dance. And it, it really, it, it was almost like I had hit on something. The, the first year, there were, you know, 48 campers. And by the time I hit my fourth year, I had 117. Wow. Uh, I was renting out a college campus. I had 17-person staff. And, and you were I was young. So I, when I started, I was 16, and yeah. I did this until I was about 19. And, you know, so at, in the initial stages, my parents had to sign the papers. So right. I formed it as... I didn't want this to be a backyard camp. I wanted this to be a legitimate business. I, I'm very fortunate. I grew up in a home where we spent a lot of time in the library. Literally every Friday, my mom would bring us all with a laundry basket that we would fill to the top, and we would devour the books. And every week, we would we would each, you know, every child in my family, and one of eight, we would do that. And so, I did a lot of reading of how do you start a business, how do you grow a business, and so I, because I had created something that was. I guess it, I guess it was sophisticated for somebody my age. Um, many women from women in the community started reaching out, and they, they wanted to know, why did you think, how did you decide to become an LLC, a limited liability corporation? Right. How did you figure out your accounting? And that's when it hit me, hey, there there isn't enough support. There's a lot of support for women entrepreneurs. There's not enough support specifically for from women, and there's um, how can I create a network to support them? And the JWE started off as just a community, as a website with a forum and a mentoring program and some business resources, and now it's really launched to an in-person, um, a, a really a full-scale operation with you know with that online presence, but even more so these small-scale and large-scale events such as the May 5th conference, and um, as, you know as, as well as you know this a, a much more comprehensive mentoring program. That's fascinating. So you mentioned uh, this this May fifth event, which is in New Brunswick. It's in New Brunswick. And how can people get information about it? First of all, just so if somebody wants to go online while we're talking and follow along. So the the event agenda and the registration is on our website, thejwe.com. So don't forget the 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 at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's t h e j w e dot com. Um, you can call us as well at four one zero two zero five. Sixty-five ninety-nine, and uh, but the most f- efficient way is to uh, go onto the website thejwe.com, right. and the, you know all the information is there, the speakers, etc. How many people do you have speaking? So we have, there's eighteen workshops. Wow! Uh, so obviously this is an all-day event. It's an all-day event, so it's you know from nine fifteen in the morning till five thirty at night, with an additional hour of networking after that. You know for anyone who wants to stay. So uh, and every workshop slot has four classes running at the same time. Uh, some of them have three, most of them have four, and uh, they really again they span the, the gamut of really everything anybody who is running a business or thinking about starting one. You have a favorite, a favorite topic. I. 
So the, our keynote, uh, Talia Mashiach, I've been, you know, secretly following her for years. She's incredible. She's a young mom of five, and she's run this amazing um, event. I don't even how do I describe it. She's got she's she's taken technology and put it behind the entire event vendor industry, and and her um, company Eved is incredibly successful and. I'm really looking forward to having her. She's an, she's just an incredibly passionate um, woman. She's incredibly successful, and um, she, she's just so human and very real. And I'm excited for our woman to meet her because she's a great role model of you know someone from who hasn't compromised on anything but has really reached for the top and gotten there. That's fantastic. Uh, very interesting. Our guest, as I said, is Chaya Fishman. She's the executive, executive director of the JWE, Empowering Jewish Women Entrepreneurs. And uh, they are online at thejwe.com. You're listening to The Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Furtick. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a couple of more minutes with our guest, Chaya Fishman. And uh, this uh, enti- this whole day event on May 5th in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, people... Uh, don't necessarily know where New Brunswick is or uh, find that that's a little bit out of the way for them. You're providing transportation, right? Right. So we have a transportation option specifically for women from areas like the Five Towns, Muncie, um, Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. Um, so You're getting people from that those diverse really, populations? I mean, it's unbelievable. We have women coming from, you know, everywhere from Williamsburg to Teaneck and, you know, there's just, it's an, it's incredible. That's it's remarkable. An, it, it really, it really is and, um, I, you know, I want to mention we're very grateful to the OU for, you know, being one of our, our sponsors at this event and, you know, they and a number of other organizations, they, they're really helping us to support women and they also represent kind of what what's the uniqueness of this conference, which is this cross-section of women from really, again, Williamsburg, Sussidish to modern right. Orthodox and, you know, every flavor. And it's it's really all about women supporting women and, you know, giving them the opportunities to be to be successful and um, giving them the courage. And I think you know, women helping one another, forming strategic partnerships. It, it, it's something that we're, you know, bringing. It's an all-in-one, and it's so exciting. It's just, it's wonderful. Fascinating. Very, very, very interesting. Uh, and and just to, to your point, mentioning the Orthodox Union, we are extremely, extremely pleased and excited to be helping to support you uh, in this in this interesting project. And I know there are other organizations out there as well. I know in our conversation earlier, you mentioned the National Council of Young Israel, and right. there are other organizations exactly. uh, that are very well known that are uh, that are involved with this as well. We won't mention all of them. I don't know who we can, who we can't. I have some <laughs> stuff written down here, but we'll just uh, we'll just leave that alone. But you have a long list of uh, of speakers and topics. Your topics are fascinating. Uh, I don't actually have them all in front of me, but we were talking before about some of them. They're all available online, right? Exactly. At thejwe.com. So, the so you can you can view the full conference agenda, and um, you know the day starts off with kind of a uh, with Saki uh, Dorosen. She is the CEO of Achieve Three Thousand. She's an incredible dynamo. Uh, she runs a very successful educational company. Um, and then we have this primer on how to network effectively and form strategic relationships and then in a, a structured networking program where we have actually women on the ground facilitating, mm-hmm. um, you know, the matching people to other women who might, you know, be helpful to them. And uh, we, we've got this really unique color-coded name badge system <laughs> for this conference so women can easily identify, you know, the, the women in different women in the industries that are relevant to them. And, um, and then we have really, I mean, we've got... 
again, I mentioned we have Sasha Salama. She's a newscaster at you know, Reuters, and she's worked at CNN, and she's talking about speaking effectively. We have Yitzi Gutner. You know, she's a former senior VP at you know Citigroup, talking about how to hire and manage employees. That's a very you know, important topic, right? We have you know how to effective how to um, the four steps to effective branding. You know, we have. Ali Shava Appel from Pinpoint Design. We really, uh, you know, we've got we've got everyone and everything. And you know, again, Talia Mashiach raising capital. Devor Goldblatt, she's the CEO of Advantage Point Test Prep. She's actually doing productivity tools in the workplace, working smarter, not harder. It's really, it's this really great blend of, you know, um, we have a partner from Deborah Voice and Plimpton navigating, you know, um, tapping into the professional you. Right. And I mean, it's. You know, I, I get um, I get pitches and and uh, and emails and come ons for stuff like this pretty frequently, like a lot of other people. And if I had a guess, I would say that something like this would come with a price tag of probably four or five hundred dollars. So what we're we're very pleased that we were able to keep the price low. It's only one hundred and twenty five dollars. That's it. Yes, I know. We were providing so really? much, and uh, the speaker lineup is phenomenal. It's at the Hyatt. It's you know it's it's catered by elite catering. Well, I mean it's, it's a Jewish event, right? I mean, there there has, has to be <laughs> has to be good food, and there's good food, right? And um, but we really we wanted to keep the costs down because we wanted women to be able to come. Um, it's what we're doing is crucial to the community. You know, if you support a woman, whether you're helping her to actually achieve that goal, or just you're helping her, you know, t- towards the path toward achieving it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're building confidence. We're providing skills. You change. You know, you can provide a woman with the skills to be successful. You give her confidence. You give her the ability to be financially, you know, t- t- stable, fin- financially dependent. You're changing her. You're changing your her family. You're changing the community, and you're you're changing the world. And that's really that's what we're doing at the Jewish woman entrepreneur. That is fantastic. Thank you. I really appreciate your uh, coming on the show and talking with us. This has been very interesting and eye-opening, and I wish you a lot of success with the project. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, it was a pleasure to be here. My pleasure. Chaya Fishman, the executive director of the JWE and Empowering Jewish Women Entrepreneurs, and you can uh, get information about this amazing project at thejwe.com. So it's the stunt show you're listening to here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Fertig. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that little uh, bit of information for you. Uh, the stunt show, by the way, heard every Thursday at 6 o'clock on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're uh, hosted by a rotating cast of characters, Daniel Gordon, Jordan B. Gorfinkel, and lately Mark Zamek. Uh, joining me, once uh, joining all of us, I guess, as we uh, work our way around the month, each taking a week at a time. So uh, tune in every week, and uh, you should have something interesting. Our next guest here on the Stunt Show for today uh, is uh, one of my favorite newspaper journalists out there, and somebody I've had the pleasure of working with for a number of years, uh, both when I worked at the Jewish Star, and uh, he now uh, does some uh, does some excellent writing for us here at the Orthodox Union. Uh, his name is Michael Orbach. Michael, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Um, so right now we're uh, we're enjoying a story that you just wrote. Um, I'll give a little bit of background for everybody. Uh, as you know, Pesach is very early this year. I don't know what early really means in the context of the calendar, but compared to the English calendar, I guess it's early. Earlier than it's been in 30 years, they say. And uh, that means, as we saw in the weather in the New York area anyway, yesterday uh, and this morning, um, actually uh, yesterday, I'm getting my days confused because the weather has been so weird, um, it's been snowing. And we could actually see some snowfall for Pesach. Now, what, the reason this is funny is because you wrote a story that you really started working on weeks ago that looked at how early Pesach was this year 
and the fact that we could actually have snow for Pesach. It was uh, actually quite funny. Uh, Steven Steiner, um, the, the director of public the relations, director of public relations for the OU, wanted this story about how Pesach, because of how it comes out, can also be considered uh, a winter festival. So much for Chag Aviv. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I didn't, I mean, I started working on it, and I didn't, I mean, I was kind of hoping that we wouldn't have snow on Passover. <laughs> and uh, as the time continued, and as I kept on working on the story, and as the weather just kept on getting worse and worse and worse, it now actually appears that we will be having snow during Pesach, during but the first night. It it's seems, actually possible that it could snow in the New York area for the is, first Seder. I mean... I forget possible, almost likely at this point. Well, you never really know. I mean, the forecast changes. Hey, and I'm hoping. Don't forget also, you know, it could it could snow in New York City and not snow in Teaneck and Elizabeth and, true, uh, true, and true. you know, in Hartford or, or, you know, vice versa. You never really know. So nobody can know for sure, but it's looking very possible. It is. It is. Uh, I spoke to Craig Allen, uh, the meteorologist at uh, WCBS Radio. Exactly. And uh, he said there's seems to be a good... We actually did one draft of the story that we sent out, and then he emailed me a few days afterwards saying that there's <laughs> even more, like, a greater likelihood that it's going to happen. I have to tell you, we should just rename the whole thing March uh, in like a lion, out like a jerk. <laughs> I mean, this has been unbelievable. I'm just hoping it stops at some point. Well, I guess it's good for the reservoirs. <laughs> I hope it doesn't kill my tulips. That's what I'm worried about. Right. Now, you spoke to people all over North America, really. Yes, to I To find did. out. Now, obviously, you know, snow in New York for Pesach is a little unusual, but you found out that there was a big so, one in 1982, We did a lot of right? digging, um, and we discovered digging, that in shoveling? 19... Shoveling? Uh, literally, if you, yeah. if you want to go that way. <laughs> we plowed through the history, but... Very good. Um, we did a lot of digging about that, and we found out that the last recorded, snow, the last serious snowstorm was mm-hmm. 1982, although... Alan uh, advised me that it actually isn't technically correct. There was a light dusting in 1996. But 1982 was... But that's the, not a storm. Yeah. 82, I remember 82, a couple of days before Pesach, we had a serious, serious snowfall. Yeah, 82, that's what I heard. I mean, I was, at the time, living. I wasn't born yet. Right. Or maybe I was a few months old, actually, come to think of it. And, uh, nope, wait, I was not born then, but uh, my family was living in Louisville, Kentucky anyway, so we probably didn't get hit by it that much. Non-issue. I could tell you, in 82, in Brooklyn, New York, we uh, burned the chametz in Erev Yontif in knee-deep snow. Uh, looks like you're probably going to be doing that again this year. Could be. Uh, probably not knee-deep, but there yeah. is a good likelihood of snow. But we spoke to a lot of people. I mean, uh, some of the details didn't make into the articles. I spoke to a rabbi in Alaska who was just like, <laughs> snow, like, that's that's part of it. I mean, come on. I uh, spoke to rabbis all over the country about it, and I think that the best response we got was from a rabbi in Minnesota. And yeah. Why don't uh, you say exactly what he told oh, us? Oh, well, I, I had it in the article here. I've, I've actually been quoting this all over the place to people. It was just a great quote. He, um... Rabbi from he, Minneapolis, Minnesota. He said, he said, he's Rabbi Chaim Goldberger from the Knesset Israel Congregation in Minneapolis. And uh, like many climes, Minnesota has four seasons. He said, we just give them different names. Almost winter, winter, still winter, and construction. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, uh... I mean, he went on, which I thought was really interesting, but I think that, like, yeah. perhaps you could say the 11th plague is living in Minnesota, but uh, I don't yeah. know about that. <laughs> somebody wrote that. Uh, somebody on a blog wrote that, didn't Yeah, they? or... The, the, the snow being a plague. But uh, he uh, 
Rabbi Goldberger added, uh, It's okay, we caught God's wink. In other words, referring to Pesach being Chag Aviv. He goes, We caught God's wink. We know it'll only be a little bit longer until construction. <laughs> hey, if you're dealing with that much snow, you better have a positive attitude towards it. Right. But uh, he was really courteous and great to speak to. I mean, a lot of people have very interesting reactions to the questions. I mean, outside of New York, I mean, I know that uh, we tend to think the whole world is in New York since right. we live in New York. It's but not? Uh, I'm, I've heard rumors about somewhere else, but yeah. I, I don't really put Someplace much over the Hudson? Exactly, over the Hudson, like Judy Garland's over the rainbow. But um, they were saying, yeah, like snow is a part of Pesach. I mean, it's like this, so is, this is what happens. That's so alien to, you know, living on the East Coast. Snow is not a part of Pesach. I'm moving to I think that this season has just told me, it taught me that I should move to Hawaii and just live there. <laughs> it's the Luau Seder. Exactly. They probably don't have any issues with snow. I'm going to have to guess. Probably not at all. Yeah. Um, so you'll be doing future articles about holidays and mismatched uh, weather patterns? Well, um, as I noted in the article, again, thanks to Steven Steiner for putting this up, um, because of the calendar this year, uh, Thanksgiving will be on the second night of Hanukkah, <laughs> which is uh, never really happens. Right. Uh, I know that you mentioned that we said I said it was 30 years, uh, the earliest has been in 30 years, but it may actually be far earlier than that in terms of the last 60 to 80 years, it may have been the earliest. You're talking about Hanukkah and Thanksgiving? Uh, Pesach. Oh, I see. I see. So it's more than 30 years. Uh, probably. I just couldn't right. go any further in the calendars I was getting. Right. I assume had I the time, I could have kept on going back until I found the actual day. Well, you know, we have that neat 100-year calendar in my hey, office. Just, just keep on going through it. I'm not doing anything this weekend. All right. So uh, on that note, I'll thank you and uh, wish you an upcoming happy Thanksgivinga. Uh, that, that too. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I uh, look forward to opening my, uh, to eating my turkey by the light of the menorah. <laughs> Michael Orbeck, thank you very much. It's the Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Fertig. Thanks for joining us. 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursdays at NachumSiegel.com, jmtheam.org. Sundays at 10, an encore performance of this program. And you can check out the entire program schedule for the Nachum Siegel Network. It's extensive and impressive at NachumSiegel.com. Uh, coming up at uh, 7 o'clock on the Nachum Siegel Network, it is the uh, Thursday night ex- extravaganza. I have to get that little uh, that little rolling the R there that Nachum likes to do. I don't think I've ever done that before. Just Consider it a measure of my respect for the man. Um, then at 8 o'clock, spin class, politics with Michael Fragan. Charlie Harari with the Book of Life at 9. Uh, do I have that right? Yeah. And at 10 o'clock, Teen Spirit with Rivka Abbey. Uh, followed at 11 by Hour of Jewish Soul with Charlie Bernhout. And then, of course, don't forget, of course, the powerhouse, the big show, Monday to Friday, 6 to 9 a.m., J.M. in the A.M., with Nahum Siegel on 91.1 FM, 90.1 in the Catskills, 91.9 in Rockland County, and, of course, online at jmtheam.org and nahumsiegel.com. Our next guest here on The Stunt Show is a, uh, a young gentleman who I have uh, recently met. He recently joined the Communications Department at the Orthodox Union, and uh, he is a, a recent graduate of Yeshiva College. And uh, his name is Ellie Leibowitz. First of all, Ellie, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Now, it's not only it's not your work in the communications department that necessarily um, led us to invite you on the show, but it's it's your hobby. Yeah, you are a stand-up comedian. A stand-up comedian. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> so you probably go through life lurching from one encounter to another, where people say, "Make me laugh." Pretty much. I can't really go to a Shabbos table without it. And every single time it's always like, oh, you're a comedian. Prove it. Which doesn't happen with other jobs. Like nobody ever, Nobody's ever like, you're a molel? Prove it. <laughs> I don't think you want me to. 
No, exactly. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thumbnail sketch. Um, I'm from Chicago originally, outside New York range, uh, the New York City <laughs> area. Uh, people always say, you know, Chicago, is, I always get confused between those cities in Ohio. And somebody said, that's oh, ridiculous. Chicago's in Ohio. It's in Michigan. Does that actually happen? Uh, that to you? did actually happen. That's uh, pretty funny. Sometimes, one time I told somebody I'm from Chicago. She said, I love the movie Chicago. And I said, Where are you from? She said, England. I said, I love Harry Potter. <laughs> um, I'm from Chicago originally, born and raised. I actually did it. I was a vendor at Cubs games in Wrigley Field. So you're really from Chicago? I'm, yeah, pop, gym shoes, all the. You know, all the things. Wow. What did you sell? You were a vendor selling Everything what? except beer. Cause I didn't, Too young? Pretty basic for the most part. And also the beer guys are those guys who have... They were like there when the stadium was built 95 years ago. So they are... They are those beer guys. So, in other words, if you wanted to work selling beer, you'd have to get through them first. Pretty much. And they, I think they had connections in the mob. I'm not even sure. So <laughs> you don't even know. But Al Capone's still around. Any good stories from that experience? Yeah. I mean, I always get, there's nothing greater than, you know, interacting with drunk fans from Chicago who, you know, they see the name. One time a guy said to me, he said, so your name's Leibowitz. Uh, so you must be Jewish. I was like, yeah. So what do you think of that Mel Gibson guy? Like, I don't know if I was talking to his cousins. Like, he's like, yeah, yeah he's great. Uh, and he's like, so what do you think about Gibson? Guys, like, I don't know. I guess he's kind of a jerk. He's like, darn effing right, man. And he, like misses the high five completely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, another time, this woman, uh, I would sell this ice cream thing for three seventy five, and you know, this woman gave me, you know, four dollars and waved me off, gave me, said, keep the change, and I'm like, okay, I walked walking away. Her mother, this elderly woman next to her, says, hey, give that quarter back. I was like, she gave it to me. She's like, give it back. And I'm like arguing with her. <laughs> and I realize it's probably a bad idea because I don't want to see a headline the next day. You know, in the paper, Jew argues with old woman over a quarter. At a Chicago Cubs game. But, but, uh, but my, my favorite thing would do, um, over the last few years when I was vending, I would do this Will Ferrell's Harry Carey impression. Harry mm-hmm. Carey was his longtime Cubs announcer who would be like, you know, uh, he'd always be super drunk by the third inning. And, you know, John Campanero, the comedian, has a bit about this. But he's it's like, hey, we got a score in from Milwaukee. After six, the Pirates four, the Packers two. <laughs> and it's, I would do that. I would just, like, walk around. You know, I had these giant glasses. I'd be like, hey, we got ice cream. Who wants to get crazy? <laughs> and people would just give me money sometimes without even buying stuff, which was amazing. But one time Did I... Did the old lady ask for it back? Uh, well, that was a... She had no idea what I was doing. But it was just so funny because, like, all these like elderly people would, like, cover their ears because I'd be so annoying, probably. You know, one time I was walking by the Cubs bullpen. I don't know if you know if you've ever been to Wrigley. Never been. Well, you should definitely... See, you should have been interviewed by Mark Zomick. He would have been <clears throat> at the Cubs bullpen. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Um, so I was talking about the Cubs bullpen, and, you know, the, the way it, it works is, it's, you know, Wrigley's an old stadium. You can just kind of, like, touch the players' heads. I never right. did, but I wanted to. And uh, one time, Carlos Marmol, the Cubs closer, would always tell me, he said, get out of here, get out of here. Because if you heard, hey, who wants to get crazy <laughs> all the time, you'd probably say that, too. Right. And I'm, so I'm, one day I was just having a bad day, and I was like, he said that to me, get out of here. I was like, hey, Carlos, why don't you let me worry about my job? You worry about yours. And he stands up, turns around like he's about to beat me up. Yeah. I got the heck out of there. The next day, he blows the save for the Cubs. And I just wanted to hear the press conference afterward. They're like, Carlos, what happened? He's like, well, this vendor was doing this horrible Bill Cosby impression, and I couldn't, couldn't concentrate at all. <laughs> Harry Carey, Bill Cosby. Um, um, my Bill Cosby's pretty bad, actually. Like, is it? 
you see, the problem with the Joe Pudding Pops is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm more of a Seinfeld guy. <laughs> Our guest is Ellie Leibowitz. He is a, uh, a stand-up comedian, <clears throat> a recent graduate of Yeshiva University, and uh, newly joined the uh, communications team at the Orthodox Union. You're listening to The Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Ferdy. Ellie, you were telling us a little bit more about your background. So Chicago, you went to Yeshiva University. What uh, what brought you there, and what sort of stuff did you get up to comedy-wise there? I mean, in YU, I brought, came to YU because, you know, coming to New York, you get that you get that extra year credit in Israel, so you're like, all right, I'm halfway done by now. <laughs> so you, can, you know, come to college, and every you know, a lot of things were ha- happening in New York, and I just started doing comedy because my friend ran this uh, Hass Comedy fundraiser for Camp Hask. They had it the first year, and uh, I was terrible then. I still am pretty terrible now. And, and my brother said modestly said my brother, uh, <laughs> and uh, I started doing it then, and I, you know, I started working through the clubs. But one thing that I started to do at YU, I started the uh, newspaper called the Quipster, which is basically our poor man's version of the Onion. <laughs> but the way I got the word out was because I would post it all over the bathrooms in, the, in YU. And, you know, it got to the point where I just became well-known for that. So people would come up to me and text me. People would text me and say, man, I'm so bored. (laughs) (laughs) I just had a feeling you were going where you were going. Let's just remember our audience. I I, I know what's going on. Most of my material is for Jewish crowds, so I I definitely know the line, and I, I will not step over it. Um, no, but uh, no people. Yeah, just, I, I remember the Quipster from my time at Y. It was very funny. Thank you. I'm very I'm, well written most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the ones that weren't yeah. well, weren't, well written wrote. weren't mine. So. Right. Exactly. I mean, people. One of the my favorite moment was one of the teachers apparently came to class, ripped up one of the Quipster articles off the wall, yeah. brought it to class, and said, "This is brilliant." <laughs> I, I, I wasn't there for it, but I I heard. And then you said, fun. "Thanks for destroying our marketing plan. You ripped it off the wall." Yeah, but you know, bathroom marketing—it's going to be a thing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Is there a favorite story that you wrote or contributed to the, in the Quipster that that sticks in your mind? Uh, I'm trying to think of. Well, for radio publicity, uh, I mean, I, there was one I had a, no, I don't know, because appropriateness, but there was one I would say, uh, you'll see if you can use this, um, that I wrote an article that, you know, Cy Sims changed its name recently to right. Sims, so it went from SSSB to SSB, and then as a joke, I kind of just wrote, you know, the why you know why you change his name one more time to business school or BS for short, <laughs> and I kind of just wrote the article saying like you know you know President Joel said the BS at YU is is top notch. Where else are you can get BS like this? Um, and like kids would be like, well, <laughs> you know, I would wonder if people would want to recognize my education, but I tell them I'm a management major. They say, wow, it sounds like BS to me. <laughs> and uh, I just kind of filtered it through the entire joke. Some people were like, "This is brilliant." Some some people, some students were like, "This is terrible." Right. My my resume is now worthless. Well, they have a Bachelor of Science degree. Get I, over it. I got in a fight with a, the y, one of the, the Sysims paper because of it, because right. they misquoted my article also. They published half of my article, right. which I thought was decently clever, but they left out the part that I'm, you know, it was actually clever. It wasn't just me saying BS to everything. Right. I was at least having some, you know, I would say parents were upset that their students weren't going through the same BS that they went through. But uh, out of context, that sounds terrible. Like, if you're tuning in right now, right, absolutely. you don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> So, uh, and what, what's your degree? My degree is in psychology, but I didn't let education get in the way of my comedy. Oh, Wait, that's good. That's not the, yeah. yeah. Whatever the Mark Twain quote is, I don't like you schooling get in the way of my education. Right. Thank you. <laughs> 
Um, so when did you start? Uh, when did you start appearing in clubs? And how did uh, how, how did you do with that? And what are some interesting experiences you've had? So the first time actually performing uh, was one of these fundraisers that my friend was running for a fundraiser for Stay Road, uh, you know, the, the town in Israel. And I, I you know, I, I was like, hey, let me try it. I it was a, kind of like an open mic, you know, first time thing. I said, let me try. I'd never done it before, other than this Hask once, Hask thing once. So I was like, why not? I was the last person to go. I was expecting all my Jewish Yalavievo jokes ready, and then I get out to the club, and it's like half Jews and half regular people. I guess the word is non-Jews, <laughs> but uh, so I didn't know what to say. Yalavievo so jokes were my Yalavievo jokes or my Sharfman's jokes would not have worked at all, and I wasn't prepared for that. So I, you know, my friend said I should just interact with the crowd. So I'm the last person to go. I get up on stage and I said, "Hey, uh, so." Uh, I don't. Uh, I'm, not, I'm sure you're sick of uh, sick of all these Jewish comedians. Uh, you're probably sick of us. Uh, and there's this woman in the front row. She wasn't smiling. And I was like, "Oh, so where are you from?" And she says, "Germany." Uh, but if you can't see, by the way, it's radio. But my mouth is like opened, gape, gaping open. And she. That was the best thing she could have said. If she would have said Iowa, uh, all I said was, "Okay, then." Like that. This is inherently awkward. And. Uh, <laughs> If she would have said Iowa, I would have no idea what to do. My, right. my first joke was written by her. <laughs> so it was very, very fortuitous. Um, so where'd the show go from there? Uh, the, I, I kind of did about nine minutes of material of just, like, self-deprecating stuff. I mean, I couldn't do my joke of, like, you know, some people have, I'm, like, five foot five on a good day and 160 <laughs> pounds before Pesach. But some people, I say, you know, some people have more of a Hagba build. I have more of a Glila build. That's <laughs> that's my, uh, but, uh, no, so I, I did a lot of stuff about, like, self-deprecating type right. of things. Like, I, I have a thing, you know, my older brother... I have one older brother, and I feel like, you know, you got a you know, better end of the deal sometimes, talent-wise. Like, when God was, like, you know, making our talents, he's like, the older one, let's make him 5'10", and the younger one, let's make him 5'5", five, five and awkward when he talks to girls. The older one, how about we make him, you know, good at sports. The younger one, let's make him good at bananagrams. And the older one, let's make him funny and witty. The younger one, let's make him really good at bananagrams. <laughs> so I, I'm, I am very good at bananagrams, but you know, I don't even know if it's, do, a, it's a great game. Do you do non-Jews even play Monopoly and Risk? Like when? Do, a family game night, which I think only exists in commercials for board games. <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't know. My question though is, yeah. what is your Yalavievo joke? Now the other joke is how I mean I have a whole bit uh, I could really send yeah. art scroll twenty minutes on Jewish sitterim jokes. That first of all I hate coming to Shul late because you always get stuck with a Russian sitter. I don't know why. Even though Davening's in Hebrew, for some reason you see a two on the English side. You're like I can't. I got. <laughs> but my Yalavio joke is I can't stand a Yalavievo guy. And I'm talking I'm not talking about the rabbi who like bangs and says like Yalavievo. I'm talking about the guy who rushes through Shemara and turns around and is like Yalavievo. Haha! I beat you all. And you turn in the middle of your semester, you're like, shut up. And then, of course, you forget Yalavievo anyway. And, uh, you know, all the, all the, all these things, I don't know, like, uh, coming late to Shul, uh, I hate being Barhu guy, cause everyone, you know, that guy at the end of Davni who says, Barhu is Hashem Varach, and you're just like, psst, that guy was late. Like, hey, why call, why call you out? Um, but I think the number one thing that everybody can relate to is this idea th- I thought of called Jewish five-second rule. And regular five-second rule, as you know, is when food falls on the floor, you know, girls can wait about five seconds, they can st- they can eat it. You know, guys can wait about three weeks and they can still eat it. Jewish five-second rule, though, is when, you know, you go to the bathroom on Shabbos, 
and you leave the bathroom and you turn the light off, you're like, oh shoot, five seconds, we'll turn it right back on, everything's fine. You know, we've all done, and everybody laughs at that joke, except you. Uh, everybody <laughs>, laughs at that joke because, and they think internally, like, oh my god, I'm the only one that does that. And then they see everybody laugh and they're like, oh, thank god. <laughs> like, I have jokes, uh, I have jokes about Rashi. This is really getting intense. I hope Rashi doesn't kill me for this, but, uh, I think he can handle it. Uh, there are just a few things that Rashi does that bother me. Mm-hmm. Like the first is when he, if you're ever learning Gemara, he'll say often, Gemara Mafaresh. You're like, all right, thanks Rashi, I could have kept reading. Second one is when he bails on you, you need him the most. You look at Rashi, well, what does this mean? He's like, I don't know, went out to lunch, be back in 20, never came back. <laughs> Last is when he becomes Google search, and you're like, Rashi, what does this mean? He's like, I don't know, but you know how you say that in ancient French? You're like, no, <laughs> I don't, Rashi. But, uh, he, you know, he was really impressive, Rashi, because he was able to learn the entire Torah all without Rashi. And That's true. That, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, the problem is I, I think of a lot of my jokes during Shmona Esrei, which right. I think God's going to punish me one day by making me go on stage and think of Shmona Esrei only. <laughs> so the ultimate, the ultimate divine intervention. You'll read about it in an Earth Scrolls story. But uh, I, I don't know. I just, like, over time, I just, you know, developed all these things. Even in Yom Kippur, I'll be counting the pages in the Mopser, Dividing by two, and you're like, thank God for that, because you're like, 270 weight, 135, amazing. But, and Yom Kippur, yeah, you'll be doing that, and you see, like, you know, the Yom Kippur monster says, some shoals say this pew to me, you're like, praying, like, please, I hope I'm not that some of these shoals. <laughs> and, you know, there's one, on Yom Kippur, there's one Ashamnu, you know, the Ashamnu is you bang your chest, but God knew. Right. The one that scares me the most is Lot's new. Because it means I have made a mockery of serious things. I'm like, that's my half half of my career. <laughs> and, uh, I have 20 minutes on Avraham. No. <laughs> Do you really? I, not yet, not yet. But I, I the the I, bit I'm working on. It's not it's not there yet. But I don't know if anything's there yet. But fleishophobia. Every guy is very scared. What, what was that word? Fleishophobia. What's that? Being fleishig and phobic. So being scared of being fleishig. <laughs> Basically, every guy, I, girls too, but guys more so, are just scared of being fleishig. Even though they, you know, even though a guy will love steak, all of a sudden, you know, if somebody offers you a pizza, you're like, no, it's the worst thing in the world. So guys are very scared of fleishophobia. Fleishophobia, right. scared of being fleishig, and that's for like maybe six hours, and that's why. By the way, guys are so FOMO is fear of milk like opportunities. If you're wondering, <laughs> guys are so scared of so guys are so scared of commitment. That's food. Why do you think some guys don't get married till like you know their right. late 20s or 30s? It's because we're scared of commitment. Um, and you know, wearing fleishig is for six hours maybe, but getting married is like being fleishig forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're engaged now. Right? I am engaged. By the way, right. perfect segue to that. Um, I am engaged for. Uh, Has- I, has humor figured into uh, in, into your uh, you know path toward toward meeting your future wife? Yeah, I mean, I think she's the last. She definitely doesn't think I'm funny by now, just because she's probably heard these jokes like over and over again. The all you have a bit. Oh my God, you're saying this again. But I, I, I don't know. Yeah, Matt Lachaim, I I did about you know 10% Torah, 90% jokes. I wasn't working at the time, and I, I opened by saying, you know, they say that an engagement ring is three months' salary. I said, what's three times zero? And uh, <laughs> zero, for those of you wondering. Uh, no, and even I, I proposed on Super Bowl Sunday, which is the stupidest idea every guy can do, unless you want only girls at your Lachaim, <laughs> which then you probably shouldn't be engaged. Right. Uh, no, so I proposed Super Bowl Sunday, and I wrote in the email before to tell everyone, hey, 
I'm getting, you know, we're having a Chaim after the Super Bowl. Please come if you can make it. And at the last line, I, w- I wanted, you know, as soon as the game was over, I wrote, uh, I-, I wanted the game to be, uh, I wanted the game to be over. So I wrote, here's hoping for no double overtime. And God's like, haha, power outage. Who's the comedian now? Bananagrams. Maybe go easy on the Rashi jokes. So my Chaim was delayed about 45 minutes because of that stupid power outage. The only w- second one in what 70 years? Right. Our uh, guest is Ellie Leibowitz. He is a stand-up <clears throat> comedian and a uh, member of the communications department at the Orthodox Union. You're listening to The Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Furtick. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we <laughs> hope you're enjoying yourself so far. I you know I'm enjoying myself, enjoying this conversation. What, what are some of the other serious topics that you've found ways to poke fun of, you heretic? I mean, you stand-up <laughs> comedian. I, I really think you just, I don't know, dating, as some people, I mean, I think dating is humor in, humorous enough in itself. Mm-hmm. I think a girl, uh, somebody before, you know, many, a few years ago, somebody wanted to set me up with a girl who didn't know what Chicago was. Not only did the she not... The show or the city? The thing. <laughs> I, either both, I guess. I didn't really know what that meant, but somebody told me, you know, he was talking to her and she said, I'm going back to Chicago. And she said, what's that? And I don't really know how I would have gone Seriously? on a date... Serious and Syrian, apparently. <laughs> wow. Deal is the capital of Syria, if you're wondering. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's uh, No, so I, I don't even know what I would have done on a date. If I, How does that not come up in the first minute and a half of a date? That you're from Chicago. Hi, I'm Ellie. I'm from Chicago. What's that? I would have been like, I'm sure you're a lovely person, but I have to leave right now. <laughs> you need an atlas or a map of some kind. Uh, you know, so dating, I would think a lot of people find it to be a sacred topic. Uh, I don't, but I guess I, you know, you could say like, oh, he's engaged. He can say that. I was like, even when I was dating, I was still, I found it, I found it humorous. I don't know. I just think like the term shit up crisis to me is very extreme. Like, you know, the word crisis, come on. Like, can you imagine if somebody in a third world country heard that? Like, oh, I heard there's a crisis going on in America. What happened? Are, Are people starving or dying? No, just some Jews over 20 something aren't getting married right away. Oh, I'm going to go eat this box. Is that okay with you? Because uh, call me when you have a real, like, an, like a crisis crisis. <laughs> that reminds me of, yeah. I just saw um, I just saw a propaganda video from North Korea. Ooh. They have, they take uh, video, news video of disasters, natural disasters in the United States, and they present life in the U.S. as being one big disaster. And how everyone in the U.S. is just waiting for oh, North Korea. Right. <laughs> Every, how everyone in America is just biding their time waiting for North Korea to come visit them. They're waiting to come rescue them. Ah. Uh, do they? You know, could, I was like, but their guy died recently. And right. King and they are all starving. Well, Dennis Rodman is vice president now, apparently. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. He, listen, you go. F- that's what happens when you play for the Bulls. I guess you. there's an emissary. <laughs> go on to visit North Korea. Pretty so much. Uh, what, what are some of the other things uh, that you've uh, addressed in your onstage act? I mean, I, I really just, I, I do a lot of self-deprecating stuff that I think that if you can make fun of yourself, uh, everyone else can also. Uh, and I, I just, um, you know, all over the top, uh, I just do so many things about, like I said, Rashi. Some people would probably kill me if I made right. jokes about Rashi. I'm always, like, but even, there, like, next week's Parsha talks about Rashi, you know, talks about the, all the animals you can eat and can't eat. And there's one, you know, it says, it doesn't say an art scroll, it doesn't say the translation, it just says the transliteration, like an Uznia. Right. So you look at Rashi and you look, like, what does it mean? And it seems like he's guessing sometimes. He'll be like, it's, it's a viper or a hedgehog 
It's like, that's not even cool. Is it a pelican or a shark? Like, does it swim or? I just want to see one Rashi where he's just shrugging. And he's like, I don't, I don't know, but here's some French to help you out if you ever go back. I, uh, I have stuff about, uh, you know, from inconsistencies is one of my favorite things. Yeah. I love when people do things that are from, but also not from the exact same time. Like a guy who would like, you know, yell at his wife, cover the challah, but he's not wearing pants. Or, uh, or so, or have you ever like sworn because you can't find your tefillin? <laughs> or, yes, that would be inconsistent. Or you say that prayer to for uh, to find lost objects to find the remote control. Uh, <laughs> no, nothing. I, listen, I it doesn't mean I take these things anyways. People get very like upset at me sometimes because right. it's like if you make a joke about it, like you're not taking it seriously. And I'm like, no, it just means that I do see humor in things. Right. Uh, it takes every bus- boring business meeting and turns it into my little, my little entertainment. I'm like, how can I make this funny? You have an online, you have sort of a, uh, a, a, a commentary going on in your head, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> not, not, sometimes I'll have to think about it and like right. write it out in Facebook form and see how it <laughs> comes out. Like, I thought that, you know, I wrote, sometimes I'll just write something as a Facebook joke and you won't even, uh, I won't even know if it's good. Like and then you see the like button. Thank God the like button. The like button was written was created for me because just so people can say, hey, you know, I think he's funny. funny. Uh, like Arab Spring, I thought for years was a, I mean, when it first happened. I thought it was a kind of bottled water. <laughs> or there's this show called Breaking Amish. I thought it was about Amish people cooking meth. I didn't understand, <laughs> but it's not. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, Facebook Facebook uh, is really a great way to get these things out because like I just created this meme. You know, I created a meme about the four sons. You have, you know, the four sons of the Seder. You have the Chachum, the, the Rasha, the Tam, and the Sheno de Elishal. So I took the characters from Arrested Development yeah. and put it in there. It's got over 1,100 shares. Wow. Thank God I put my name at the bottom. 1,100? Yeah, and that was the last time, last time I checked. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, that really has gone viral. That really has gone viral, and uh, no one has emailed me yet <laughs> saying, hey, do you want to open for Jimmy Kimmel or something? Yeah, <laughs> too bad. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe when you get back to your desk after the show, yeah, it'll be waiting for you. You're going to write me an email just to make me feel better. <laughs> hey, I saw your meme. It's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> What's your approach to writing comedy? I know, I know uh, many different... Many different comics have different approaches. There was a, it was a long, like a five or six page article in the New York Times magazine recently about Jerry Seinfeld and how he takes years to perfect a joke. Yeah. Like, you're, longer than you've been around, I think he's been working on some jokes. Yeah. What's your approach? <laughs> well, Seinfeld is, is the, he is, he would be a rabbi if he wasn't a comedian in terms of like the amount of time he put into, he puts so much, right. so much time into it. I really just write down, often it's, comes up in conversation, and that's why Friday Night Meal sometimes are the worst because I'll like shoot what did I say and that will go up to people like remind me after Shabbos right now tell me <laughs> and I'll just like ask so many people a lot of it just comes naturally um, but I'll often I'll I'll sit down my laptop open and stare at the blank screen mm-hmm. news story I look through news, news stories but like I just look, do things that I can really relate to and what does I'll write stuff down but sometimes it's like like uh, there's a Seinfeld episode very similar to you know I said uh, I'll write a joke at like 3 in the morning and because you think it's hilarious because everything in the funny in the, at 3 a.m. is hilarious exactly. and the next day you'll look at it and it's like don't you wrote don't you hate it how koalas don't recycle and you're like what does that even mean <laughs> 
<laughs> it's almost like another person who has a different sense of humor is is telling you jokes that he thinks are hilarious, and you find out the next morning he's crazy. Inhabiting your body at three o'clock in Pretty the morning. Pretty much, and uh, so I I try to you know write down on Facebook and Twitter and different. I'm trying to keep busy in terms of my comedy prowess. I have thousands of notebooks. One of my notebooks, actually, I lost once, which was... Ooh. I don't actually literally have thousands, but I lost one of my notebooks. And I wasn't so scared about forgetting my jokes. I was more scared of some homeless guy in New York going to find my jokes and start telling them. Like, But I don't know what my <laughs> fear is. Is he really going to get up on stage and say, don't you hate it how three-day yuntives you can't really shower? <laughs> I don't think I have to... like, Because I really don't know that that many people do the kind of comedy that I'm doing. I mean, yeah. I, I guess, you know, Joel Chasnoff does, does similar things, but nobody really does he, orthodox-centric, like, hey, isn't it terrible when a shul says v'tenlecha and you're not ready for it? Like, <laughs> nobody d- is doing that joke, so at least I'm good in the hopefully original-ish joke And even, even if a homeless guy finds that one, you're probably still safe. He's probably safe, because he probably doesn't have another four minutes on uh, on Rosh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's good. Who's the funniest guy in the world to you? Mike Birbiglia. I've never heard of him. Well, you should get on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Birbiglia, who is this guy, he's this comedian. He's been around for several years. He recently came out with a movie, Sleepwalk With Me, mm-hmm. after, and it was based on a you know, Broadway show. Mike Birbiglia is the master storyteller of, you know, he has some just great stories. He's, you know, he says... Uh, uh, you know, I, I was in Alaska and I turned. I saw some. Uh, I saw pamph- uh, pamphlets about what you should do when you get attacked by a bear. And, you know, each bear has a different strategy. Like some, like brown bears, you got to run a, run down a hill. Grizzly bears, you gotta you know r- uh, play dead. Polar bears, you gotta give them sunglasses and a coke. And uh, <laughs> it sounds better coming out his mouth. I but I uh, he so was funny. He he's very and another uh, Mike Kaplan is another. Very, very funny comedian. He spells it M-Y-Q, is how he spells mm-hmm. it. Um, I think he went to Brandeis, but uh, he actually did, though. So that's not... Um, so he has a joke. He says, uh, you know, somebody wished me recently a happy Valentine's Day. And I said, and I said, actually, I'm Jewish, and we don't believe in happiness. And <laughs> everyone except one person liked that joke. The person didn't like my Rashi jokes either, so it's okay. But those Mike Kaplan and uh, Mike Birbiglia, Jim Gaffigan, Jim Gaffigan. I've heard of him. Jim Gaffigan is great. He also mm-hmm. has, yeah, Jim Gaffigan has a great bit about uh, Avraham. Yeah, Avraham, like you know, the, the whole thing, like God telling him, uh, whatever. I'm not. <laughs> I was gonna, okay. Well, I'm not I, sure. I was about to say to you, is it is it a challenge to be a comedian and get on stage and be clean? Uh, I mean, and not, they call it working blue, not right? So, yeah, not so much for me because I'm just not naturally. Like, if you looked at me, like you know, uh, I couldn't even do dirty jokes. Even if I tried, if I was like to start telling a dirty joke, you'd be like, okay, you go back to school. Right. <laughs> like you know, I, I just know that even as a, an audience member, when I'm in a comedy club, I can't really relate to comedians' premises because they're always like, you ever go to Vegas and like go to a club? I'm just like, can't say I have. <laughs> you know how when you're eating a ham and cheese sandwich, like, no. Every ba- you ever do anything fun ever? I'm like I had bacon bits once. Does that count? I just I, to me it's not it's not part of me to be dirty anyway. And I also know that I, I you know I don't I don't swear so like even you know people I, it's not it's not part of me to do it anyway. So it's not really that much of a stretch. But th- it's a good thing that I found a, you know more of a Jewish mm-hmm. outlet to do it because in comedy clubs I don't know if you can really necessarily last. 
only doing clean clean material. I mean, Seinfeld, I heard an interview with Seinfeld, he only does really clean material. Right. He says more because of the integrity of the joke that it's kind of cheating to just swear. Anybody can like, right. make like people potty laugh. humor, you know, a second grader will laugh right. with potty humor. Anybody can make people laugh with that. And I think it's more talented and it takes more effort to really think about what gets people, what's, what do people relate to other than just like shock value. Right. Right. So, and you were you were your keep on stage, right? Uh, yeah, Ellie Leibowitz. What, are you, what, are, what am I going to hide? Hide? Like, uh, I'm not. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not Buddhist or whatever. I mean, like, you you know, I'm obviously Jewish. Uh, from every, I, th- I said I realized how Jewish I was when I was watching the show Cash Cab. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone gets all excited when they're on the show, and I'm thinking, you know, I'd just be excited for the free cab ride. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But somebody, you no, know, somebody actually once, well, a few weeks ago, said that I was waiting for the bus. I was wait, walking down the street, and some guy was waiting for the bus. He's like, "Hey, do you know what time the next bus comes?" Mm-hmm. And I like shrugged. I'm like, "I don't know." He's like, "Oh, I get it. You're Jewish, so you think you're better than me." And I was like, "Yeah, but not for that reason." <laughs> 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 what are some of the? Have you ever gotten responses uh, <clears throat> to your keep on your and the whole Jewish thing on st- when you're on stage? I feel like Negative, I've, positive. I feel like I've heard people like yell out like Jew and I'm just be like, got me there. Yeah, I am. What else you got? Like, I don't know. It's it's kind of who I uh, what I identify to be. I I, I don't really. My, there's nothing about me that's not Jewish that I can't really like. Ellie Leibowitz is the most one of the most Jewish. Is the Joe Smith of Jews, pretty much. <laughs> well, at least you have an unusual, uh, a somewhat unusual spelling of your last name, W I C Z. Yeah, I mean, L E B O W I C Z. People say, "Why do you spell it so weird?" And I kind of, I say, like, you know, when my grandparents had to get the heck out of Europe in a hurry, I didn't think they had time to check the spelling. So I, I, you know, I. I often say, you know, somebody told me she said my last name in peace in German. I said, there's a word for peace in German. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I, uh, the good thing about my spelling is that I'm able to get Leibowitz at Gmail as my, oh, there you go. as my email address and automatically people are like, how'd you get that? I'm like, well, I spell it very, very Polishly. <laughs> <laughs> so now I don't have to ask you how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, Leibowitz at Gmail, uh, Twitter at, at Ellie Leibowitz, uh, find me on YouTube. Uh, type in Ellie Leibowitz, however you spell it, I think it should be there. Uh, watch my newer stuff because, uh, my Yalvi of are more honed. <laughs> <laughs> but you can watch the awkward interaction with a German person and, and the oh, very that's first, online? very first clip I've ever, you know, I ever posted. The, 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 the audio is terrible, but you can hear that bit and, uh, you will be as surprised and I, as I, as <laughs> as I you was were. to hear that. That's very funny. Ellie Leibowitz, thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It was really a pleasure. Thanks. I appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to working with you. Um, you've been listening to The Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'd also like to thank Michael Orbach and our first guest, Chaya Fishman. And uh, you can uh, get more information about Chaya's project, The Jewish Women Entrepreneurs, at thejwe.com. I'd like to thank Dan Jesselson, our uh, engineer extraordinaire today, and uh, tune in every week at uh, every week at 6 p.m. Eastern and 10 a- on Thursdays and 10 a.m. Sunday mornings for the Stunt Show here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Furtick. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great night, everyone. <laughs>